Hi, everybody. This is Mel. And this is Jill. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hey, Jill. Hey, Mel. Are you ready to get into this today? Yes. Okay, so before we dive into the book, because it's going to be one hell of an end, there's a lot that happens at the last section of this book. Yeah. Um, I have a quick question for you. If you were the god of something ultra-specific, what would it be? Oh... This is a hard one. Hmm. Okay, I've got I've got one. Well, I've got two, but they kind of go hand in hand. Okay. Um, you can be the goddess of more than one thing. This is agreed. Yes, this is true. Um, I would be the goddess of always having to have a blanket on the couch. It doesn't matter how hot or cold it is outside. Like if I'm on a couch. I need a blanket. Not just my couch, any couch. If I'm at someone's house who doesn't have a blanket on their couch, I feel very naked. I don't like it. It's very, like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, Cozy. You just want to be cozy. Yes, I like to be cozy. So with that, um, I also am the goddess of falling asleep on my friends' couches. Because I'm cozy. (laughs) That is a running joke among my friends. I can attest that this is true. Yeah. I She's feel also, like- I'm going to give you another goddess thing. You're go. the goddess of not liking to be aw- awoken in the morning. Oh, this is so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have shared like a hotel room on multiple occasions and I'm always like, I'm because I get up early. Like I'm mm-hmm. kind of an early riser. I'm usually up like naturally by like seven a.m. Yeah, and I'm always like, oh, how do I be quiet for chill? No, <laughs> she'll kill see, me. No, see, that's the thing. Honestly, I'd rather you be loud because then it's like it gives me a chance to like quietly wake up in my head. It's like okay, it's time to wake up, but I need to like it takes time for me to wake up. That's my problem. Is because when I if I am slowly awoken, I'm good. But if you if you startle me awake, we're gonna have a problem. That's why. But this is this is also why I have like I hit snooze like 15 times. I'm a very heavy sleeper, so if I truly want to sleep through something, I will. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I but mean, that's fair. Fair. That's fair. So um, that's alone. It that's true. Uh, I would say I am the goddess of really wanting to have houseplants, but always killing them. I would I would agree. I'm, I can't keep I can keep my animals alive. I can't. I fuck up every plant. Genuinely, anyone ever tries to get me. like who can? I don't. I see these TikToks I know lots of, of people who can. I but I'm like because I'm with you on this. Okay, I can't do this either, and I genuinely am like. How do you do that? How? Uh, no data. 
Um, I would also, I don't know if I'm the goddess of this, but I'm going to claim the patron saint of not knowing what I want to eat pretty much ever. Yep. I will open my pantry or my refrigerator and just like stand there and I have food. Mm -hmm. There, there are things for me to eat. None of the, I don't want any of them. Yep. I tried to explain it to John once and I was like, I want crinkle cut fries, but then I also want like an in and out cheeseburger. But then I also want like a diet Coke specifically from McDonald's. Yeah. Because it hits different. Yes, it does. There are definitely specific things. I hate being in an area where I can't get the fast food that I want. Like I would kill for an animal style in and out burger right now. And also some Jack in the box. Um, egg rolls with the Frank's Red Hot sauce. Oh, I miss West Coast fast food. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think when I left the West Coast, I moved to the one area not in the <gasps> West Coast that I can still get Jack in the Box and in and out oh, I can't give it up. I'm jealous. I miss it. It's so good. It and you know what's the best thing about mm. in and out here? There's no fucking line. They're all like a Whataburger. Oh, okay. I I used to really like Whataburger. I did. I don't know if it's just the ones that are locally to me, but one, it takes forever for some reason. And two, it's just not as good as it used to be. I don't know. I just don't enjoy it as much. Maybe I'm just like very worn out on the food options where I live because they are very limited. Yeah, maybe. I miss SoCal tacos. I miss carne asada. Yeah. Like, I miss, like, actual good carne asada so much. Like, a basic-ass street taco. Corn tortilla, maybe two, because, you know, they're not the, not the strongest tortillas on the planet. And carne asada, chopped up real small. <laughs> a little pico. No. A little pico de gallo. I don't like street tacos. Mm. I don't like street tacos. Mm. I, I like... You bet shit. Listen, I like my very American tacos. The ground beef. Yes, I like ground beef. In the hard shell. Yes. Sometimes I'll eat it with the, with a soft. But I will say this. My birth father, I think I said this before, actually. My birth father made some rolled tacos, like real ones. Oh, those are good. They've got potato in them. Oh, and his salsa is amazing. Uh, to be fair, though, my sister's mother-in-law's salsa is also very good. We got the recipe, so we now make, like, we now home make our salsa. It's delicious. I don't have time for that. I just buy a really good jar. Like, I don't buy, like, paste. Don't get me wrong. I buy, like, the small batch Yeah. salsa at the grocery store. But I have the heb here. So I can, there's a, I have a really good grocery store that like is a cult. Yeah. The grocery store here is literally a cult. I've heard H-E-B is apparently the shit. I miss Kroger. Uh, I miss Kroger. No. Oh, I miss Kroger. I okay. we had it in Georgia. I loved Kroger. When you come visit me someday, I'm going to take you, we're going to do a special trip to two places. Bucky's. I've been to Bucky's. H-E-B. No, but you haven't been to the Bucky's here. This is true, but I've been to a Bucky's. Actually, I've been to a Bucky's no, in Texas too. You you haven't been to this Bucky's <laughs> unless you you haven't been to because this is the largest currently large largest Bucky's in the world. No, I I, I definitely haven't been there. Good lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
for those who do, okay, for, apparently we do ha- have some international listeners. So I'm going to clarify what we are discussing at this exact moment. Bucky's is a gas station chain that has a cult following and it's a beaver and they, yeah. they're very, they have, they're big gas stations and they have lots of bathrooms, but they're generally well known for being clean and having they a lot are. of shit, which is, but the point is, is like, that's a rarity in gas stations in the United States. Like the fact that this brand sticks out for being well known for being consistently clean and a good place to stop for snacks is yeah that says something like they have their own line of snacks they do they do now there's they make their own beef jerky there's a florida equivalent but it's not it doesn't have the following that bucky's does but there is one here it's called bumblebees so that is a cheap ripoff no it's not a cheap ripoff it's just as nice as bucky's if I'm being honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they were owned by the same company and it was just branded differently. It's the exact same thing. I'm telling you. Bucky's for life. I literally ate something from Beckley's this morning because they have this <sighs> cinnamon honey butter. So good. Oh, that sounds yummy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking to. I'm sure you can Google it. It's Bucky's gas stations in the United it- States. And it's a very regional thing. You can't get it everywhere. Yeah, they're mostly in Texas. Yes. And they're worth it. They're it's like it's like a truck stop, but like not for trucks. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I can't well, believe we just had a whole ass conversation about Bucky's gas stations. Oh my god. Yeah. I love telling people who've never been. Like when people come out and visit me and they've never been here before and they've never even heard of it. I'm like, I'm going to take you to Bucky's. And they're like, what's Bucky's? I'm like, it's a gas station. And they're like, my, I get the best looks. My cousin is in town. She came in town this weekend and she has her three kids with her and they stopped at Bucky's in Alabama and on the way here to Florida and her youngest was carrying around a stuffed Bucky. It, yeah, it was, it's a thing. It's a thing. So well, I we, guess we should a mutu- get to the book. We have a should- mutual friend oh, wait, who what? lives in Colorado and she was out here and she stopped oh, at Bucky's. Yes. And she bought the Bucky's onesie. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. Oh my God. I did, did you get a picture of this? I have not she was not wearing it when she came to see me. Well, I know, but I thought she, she would literally have sent you a picture. Purchased- she has not, but I'm going to request one now. I was going to say, you should do that. Like, you, you should put this on the gram and it'll get you all of the men. Put it in our Tinder bio. I don't think she's on Tinder, girl. Anyways. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to dive into this. So this is at the, you know, nearly 12 minute mark. Here is your spoiler warning. If you have not read A Court of Wings and Ruin, uh, run away. Yes. Because this is a big spoiler alert, guys. Like, you don't, if you haven't read it, you do not want to proceed. Stop. Proceed with a caution. Yeah. Like, stop, do not collect, go, don't pass $200, all of the things. You go, go to jail and yes. read the book and then come back. Yes. C- come back after you read the book. Cause I don't want to, this, there's some major spoilery stuff in here and I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, Cause that would be really disappointing and not fun. And I think, 
Book Talk has done a really good job of like keeping some of what happens specifically in Akawar under wraps and Girl, preventing people from being spoiled. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because I honestly, Book Talk is actually pretty good about like not posting spoilers, like mm-hmm. being good about keeping it secret for the most part. Like there's been a few times where I've accidentally done it to myself, but generally, you know, they'll put spoiler warning on there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, anyways, we are going to dive right in. We have come up to part three called Hi Lady. So we're going to dive right back into the inner circle and what's happening. And Favra and the rest are headed off to the human lands to go meet with Elaine's fiance and try to convince him to shelter the humans during this impending sort of actively happening war. Uh, And there is just this really sad scene. So they do all of this work to disguise Elaine's fayness because her fiance, Grayson, is really anti-fay. It's real bad. Like her engagement ring is iron, kind of. Yeah. Very, very anti-fay. And so they do all this work to try to like disguise her pointed ears and her kind of otherness and she gets there and she's trying to like talk to him because like if if i was him i'd be like what the f-? she just disappears one day yeah. like where and then she shows up and she's fine but she's different yeah and he rejects her he's so fan very harshly he's an asshole and then he like you know I don't know how, but like somehow it gets because Lucian is there and he's like, well, you're bonded to this other guy. And she's like, I, I'm nothing with him. Mm-hmm. Like just because the mating bond exists does not mean that anything is ever going to actually happen between Elaine and Lucian, no matter how much that would suck for Lucian and kind of to a certain extent, I think suck for Elaine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we also learn at this point in time Big spoiler alert. Jurian has actually been a mole on the inside this whole time and has been working against Hybern. And he warns everyone that Hybern is planning to launch an attack the next day. <sighs> so they go to where this battle is going to be going and Moore and Feyre are going to stay at the top of this hill and everyone else goes down and is um, in the midst of this fight. And I don't know how. OK, I'm going to say this. Like, I don't understand how we're getting like blow by blow for suspe- like specific people when it's supposed to be like these two massive armies fighting against each other. I'm like, mm. this is written like a movie cutscene, but like they yeah. wouldn't see like Feyre wouldn't be able to see some of these things. So that yeah. was my like minor complaint on like how the battle scenes are written. Cause like I follow these better than I did with uh fourth wing. Cause fourth wing, I was just lost during those battles. I had no fucking idea what was going on. Followed these better. Still didn't think I knew really what was going on. I just, for the most part, I just, the battles, I just kind of ignore. I don't know. I just I, like, I just, it's not They're that important. I, no, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I ignore. It's like the positioning of like I'm paying attention to the details, but I'm not I'm not trying to play it out in my head, I guess. 
it, the movie in my head doesn't work if the pieces this, don't make sense. This is fair. I'll give you that. I would have a difficult time playing the movie in my head from that. So I just try not to. Yeah. So all of this battle is going on and then Cassian gets hurt, which is not great. No. Cassian gets hurt a lot in this war. He likes to just shove himself into harm's way because he's Cassian. We love Cassian, but no. So Feyre and Raysand put this glamour over their war camp and so that they're able to ambush Highburn and without their knowledge. So they essentially mm-hmm. create like a decoy army that Highburn can go after and then they can like flank them. Yeah. Uh, and then she realizes that like this is not like once it that happens, then they realize Pharaoh realizes like this isn't really Highburn's army either. This is like a small portion of it. So yeah. Feyre does the thing that Feyre does, which means she's good in a fight and not much else. She pieces out mid-battle to go find the Surya. Ooh, ooh. Can we pause for a second? Of course. Okay. Melissa had a birthday recently, and one of the things that I sent her for her birthday <laughs> relates to this moment, so... Melissa. Yes. Uh, uh, you are not the only person who sent me a cereal tea company Shut item. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. So you sent me a cup, but this bag, you guys can't see this, but I have a bag up here. Yeah. That also has a cereal tea co logo on it from my friend. <laughs> who I also got me like a, a sticker pack and all kinds of stuff yeah. that were that was Akatar related. That's from Lily. She'll be on the podcast at some point. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Feyre gets Elaine to use her seer powers to figure out where the surreal is. Because, like, Prithian is a large place. And even though the surreal and Feyre are besties <laughs> at this yeah. point, she still needs help figuring out where to look for her, for the surreal. And so, Elaine looks around and discovers that the cereal is in the middle. So Feyre winnows herself there. She captures the cereal without trying very hard, to be honest. At this point, it's just like... like, I I don't even feel like she needs to capture it. I mean, I guess technically she does, but it's kind of like... I don't know why she can't just be like, hey, cereal. Hey, cereal. We're besties. Yeah. I've, I've, I've given you lots of cloaks. And like... When she does catch the surreal, the surreal's wearing the cloak that she yeah. used to ensnare it from Akamath, which I thought was a nice little touch. Um, so she's asking the surreal, like, how can we defeat Hybern? What do we do? What do we do? And so the surreal tells Feyre that they have to use Nesta to find and nullify the cauldron. And she's going to say something else, but then Fucking Ianthe shows up. Bitch. And oh, such a bitch. Shoots the surreal with an ash arrow. And so now the surreal is in the process of dying. That was sad. So. This was sad. I don't like this. This was so sad. This is so sad. I also. 
Jill would not stop asking me if people were going to die in this book. <laughs> and so I told her to to get her to leave me alone. <laughs> I told her that three main characters died and I included the surreal in that count. What she didn't ask is how long they stayed dead. Yeah, I definitely. I wasn't wrong. Three people technically do die in this book. Yes, I. But yeah, I was like, I was, because I don't know why I just. I don't remember. I think you said it to me at one point, and like we may have re-recorded that episode. Actually, I think you said that I had like trust issues because I felt like everybody was either gonna die or do something bad. So. Yeah, you um spent most of those text messages and voice notes going, I don't trust this person anymore. Yeah. I don't trust this person anymore. This person's gonna, gonna die. Every time Cassian got hurt, Cassian's dying, isn't he? And I'm like, just read the fucking book. <laughs> you will find out. To be fair, this is what goes through my head as I'm reading it, okay? I was just putting it out loud. So, but I haven't but done that the- with what I'm currently reading. I'm just every once in a while. Why? Because you-, you do too. No, you I don't. You don't trust anything right no, now. No. You don't trust, you don't trust, and she's reading Crescent City right now. Okay. Two. She's reading what, Crescent City 2 whole- right now. What I was going uh, to say is You don't that- trust Hunt. Well, he said something funny. Okay, hold on. We're not going to go into the details. What I was trying to say is that, yes, I have sent you a few things like that. I'm saying the uh, frequency of those text messages has decreased. I mean, you can keep the frequency up. Just know that there is a strong possibility I'm going to lie to you. Oh, I know. That's why I've stopped. That's why I've stopped texting you. <laughs> I, I just mean, I had you, to gaslight I, you about Tamlin. Well, I had to throw you I, didn't the, I had red herring you on on Reese. No, but some, could, you would not let it go that you were so convinced everyone was dying in this book. I was just like, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but you won't stop. So lies. Lies <laughs> is the solution. Uh, to be fair, I was right about Tamlin and Reese. I, you did not red herring me. I tried. I tried really hard. No. I think it made it worse, actually, because you kept trying to tell me they were the opposite. And I'm like, you're wrong. The text <laughs> is telling me that you are wrong. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, back to the story. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so Ianthe shoots the surreal with an ash arrow and Feyre goes feral. Yeah. And she and Ianthe have this exchange and then Ianthe starts chasing Feyre, but Feyre has a destination in mind. Yeah, she does. And so she essentially ding-dong ditches the weaver and shoves Ianthe in there and pieces out. So she essentially fed Ianthe to the weaver and I was so fucking excited. I was so happy about that. Yes, you get what you deserve. I was like, she gets her fucking comeuppance. Yeah, she does. Finally, after what she tried to do to Reese, after what she 
actually did to Lucian, which mm-hmm. she was trying to do with Tamlin, because whether or not you like Tamlin or not, bitch is still a predator. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a pres- predator. And then she kills the surreal. So then Pharaoh goes back to the surreal. And she like holds the surreal as it's dying. And the surreal tells her to leave the world a better place. And then she's like, well, fuck, how do I get back? (laughs) And. Shockingly. Helian finds her in the forest and they have this little conversation about his past relations with Lady Autumn. And how they were together for a hot minute and then she just ditched him and then Lucian shows up. Light bulb. <laughs> I mean, the light bulb for Feyre happened a long time ago at this point because it happened way back at that high lord meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't... This conversation leads me to believe that Helian does, has not put two and two together that's, that Lucian is his son. Yeah, probably not. I don't think he has. No. To be fair, you had to point it out to me. I don't know why I didn't pick up on it. I don't know either. Because it favorite pretty blatantly says it. I don't know. I don't Lord's know meeting. what it was. Like, I think at that point we had had that, like, we had already had that conversation. But before that, you had pointed out to me and I was like, how did I miss that? I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's lots of signs of it leading into it. Um, but yeah, Helian is Lucian's papa. And <clears throat> I I think there's a lot of theories out there of a rejected mate storyline in the Akatar books because Rhysand mentions it once. I think if anyone's going to be the rejected mate's story, it is going to be Helian and Lady Autumn. Oh no! She rejected the mating bond because she was afraid of her for her other sons being raised just with Baron. Because Baron's a tyrant. I don't think it was a rejection. It's not a. Maybe you think she? Yeah, I think she rejected the bond in order to protect her other sons. True, but um. I kind of got the impression that they had a thing before her and the king got together and then it stopped and then it started again. Oh, yeah. It's messy. Yeah. It's messy. So, I don't know. But I it's think messy. I think Lucian's going to be one, too. Is Do you think Elaine's going to reject the bond? Huh? Do you think Elaine's going to reject the, the mating bond? At the moment, it's looking that way, but I could be wrong. We've got a lot to go. We don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get some more in this next book that's coming out eventually. Yeah. Uh, I also am going to leave this little seed in your brain and our listeners' brains. The SJM has come out publicly on Twitter, of all places, and said that people can have more than one mating bond. They can have more than one mate. Ooh. The only other piece of information I will give you is that we have met on page Azrael's mate. We've met them, whoever they are. 
That is according to SJM. That's not me making shit up. As? Mm-hmm. We've oh, met wow. Asriel's mate. Well, then. <sighs> I know who that is. You, you're, so you're, uh, Illyrial camp? Elaine and Asriel? Mm-hmm. 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 I yeah. I still think Aleutian makes sense. But if she can have more than one, that's what I'm saying. It's never happened on page, but it can happen in universe. So. (laughs) Okay. We don't. Anyways. So Feyre and Helian return to the camp and they can, they need to find the cauldron. And the only way to find the cauldron is through scrying. So Nesta volunteers a tribute to scry but before this all goes down favor gets back and she and more get into a massive fight about because favor just pieced and ditched everyone and didn't say shit and more is pissed because she's yeah. like something could have happened to you you were my high lady like you all i would have gone with you like yeah what the fuck like I kind of get where more is. She should justify should have been at the bare minimum. Just said like, "Hey, I gotta go talk to the surreal. I'll be back." Brb. All she had exactly, to do. exactly. And on top of all of this, Feyre goes a little, plays a little dirty in this fight, yeah. and she calls out more for leading on Asriel. For literally centuries at this point. Yeah. And I mean, how many times does Reese have to tell her to stay the fuck out of it before she listens? She doesn't. She doesn't listen. Doesn't listen. So more storms off. Feyre goes and has a conversation with Reese. And Reese is just like, I was worried about you because I don't know. I didn't know where the fuck you went. Yeah. And like the whole like mating bond sometimes makes the males act like stupid boys um stupid overprotective fae mm-hmm. and he's like you can go whatever you want you can do whatever you want but like can you just like tell me next time yeah exactly just wait until you get in the throat of glass this is gonna be a fun conversation to, all you have to do is just say something yeah well favorite again is good in a fight and not much else mm-hmm she doesn't use her brain. Uh, so then Nesta does use her powers to help find the cauldron, but it unintentionally in this process opens this temporary link to all of those who were made by the cauldron, who were capital M made. So that is not just Nesta. That is also Elaine. And so during the process of scrying, which P.S., she's not able to stop herself as she's going through and finding the cauldron, favorite has to go in her mind and like get her to release and let mm-hmm. go of the scrying in all of that happening. Elaine gets kidnapped by Highburn. Yeah. I mean, they kind of should have seen it coming a little bit. Why would you ever leave Elaine by herself? She should have had somebody. Why wasn't Elaine there? Oh, that's a great fucking question. <laughs> I don't. I didn't understand that. Why on earth was she by herself? That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Why was she by herself? Yeah, so, so, definitely. Mind you, 
as or Cassian has like shredded wings from this intense mm-hmm. battle. Now Elaine has been taken and it's a, a problem. And so Reese is like, I'll go. And everybody, a bunch of people volunteer to go get Elaine. As and Feyre end up being the two people going. So As is like, I'm getting her back. And Ness is like, you'll die. And Feyre's like, I'm going with you. And she's like, okay, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> because this is a really good moment, in my opinion, to show that there is love and trust between Nesta and Feyre, that they're mm-hmm. willing to kind of come together to protect and rescue Elaine. I also think it's interesting that As is very insistent that he participates in this process. Yeah. Cause mm. that's also Elaine's as, second mate. <laughs> as 100% at minimum has a crush on Elaine. Minimum. Minimum. So <clears throat> they, they rush and they don't have a great plan, but they have a plan. So Feyre uses her shape-shifting abilities to turn herself into Ianthe because Ianthe had been working with Hybern this whole time. It's really fucking convenient that she's dead. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, Azra's got his shadows. So when they get to the camp, Feyre sets off in one direction and then Az sits off in another, sneaking through the shadows. And she, like, almost yeah. immediately runs into Jurian. And Jurian's like, well, you've been hitting him on me this whole time. You better start now if anyone's going to buy that you're fucking Ianthe. And so they go through and then they see this girl sort of. It's kind of difficult. I didn't totally understand how it was described in the book, but she's like being held like I I kind of pictured her like being crucified, essentially. Yeah, I just and she's attached to some kind of pole was. Yes. Yeah, so there's this girl, there's two others with her, but they're dead. And they are from the children of the whatever, missed, whatever the fuck they call themselves. The cult people. Yeah, the cult people. And so, because Feyre is Feyre, even though they literally have her and Az to be able to get Elaine out, she's like, oh, we have to rescue this other person too. Don't get me wrong. Save the innocent life. I'm here for it. You have a very finite amount of time. You're literally behind enemy lines in their clutches. This isn't the time. This this, this isn't, isn't the, the time, time. Vera. This isn't the time. Mm-mm. So poor ass is like, fine. <laughs> he works on, he's like, all right, I'll go fucking get, and her name is Briar. And I feel like that's going to matter, but I can't say anything yet. So I, well, that's, I assumed it would because why else would she have to be saved? Like it doesn't. Yeah. It's a plot point. Anyway. Anyway. So they get to where Elaine, Jurian takes them to where Elaine is and Elaine is like hooded and handcuffed. And so she can't like really run because she's like tied up. So they get her hood off and she says to Azrael, because Azrael's the one who does it. She's like, I knew you would come for me. Because she's a seer. Yes. Also, I think she, despite being distraught over Grayson, doesn't mind looking at Asriel. Yes. 
I roll. I roll. She's a seer. Yeah. Um, so they get her and Briar and they're running out of they get found out because unshockingly they get found out when they're stealing two captives and they're being chased by like a fleet of Naga. It's a bad time. It's just like one of those like how fast will I die? Questions. Yeah. And they were going to die, except right as Fabra and Asriel were going to get like in the cl- in the jaws of a Naga, Tamlin transforms into beast mode and stops the Naga and Fabra and Asriel are built to escape. This is the first time Fabra properly flies, too. She kind of like gives herself no choice but to fly. Yeah, she had to. But she had to. Asriel is wounded during all of this process. Mm-hmm. He's pretty pretty well wounded, so they they winnow back to their own camp and the sisters just kind of cry for a minute. Like there's this moment of reunion and they all hug and they all cry mm-hmm. and yeah. It was a very like, sisterly moment. Mhm. And as ends up being okay, but he he is not in the greatest shape. So mm-hmm. after that, more comes to Feyre and they have this conversation. And I'm a, I, I, I'm annoyed, but not for what the reason everyone's going to think is I'm annoyed about this conversation. So more confesses that part of the reason she didn't want to marry Eris. And why she slept with Cassian and why she does some of the shit she does is because she is bisexual. She likes men and women, but she Mm kind of leads more towards women. And she thought that her family would do bad things to her. I'm assuming they would either disown her or be physically abusive to her or something along those lines. Or worse. So that is why she very specifically slept with Cassian in order to not marry Eris. It is, and she she has never had anything other than like friendship feelings for Asriel. And it's why she doesn't have like a lot of public relationships. And she also, um, whenever Asriel seems to be getting too attached to her, she just sleeps with a random guy instead of Mm -hmm. him. I have absolutely no issue with more being by love who you love. I don't really care. I do have a problem with her just not having like Asriel and Cassian and Reese are her friends and have mm-hmm. been by her side for hundreds of years at this point. Why would she not just trust them with the truth and be like, I would don't tell my family. I don't and know. None of them would. None of them would ever, even if she didn't say those things, they wouldn't like go run off to her dad and be like, guess what? Your daughter likes girls too. Like they would never do that. No. So I don't understand why she has been unable to have this conversation with Azrael. And like, she's not responsible for his feelings. That is very true. But like, you should be honest with your friends. I agree. She wasn't honest. Like she, she, she isn't. To an extent, she is not responsible for Az's feelings. But to me, in this sense, she is. Because she's never given him the opportunity to realize that it's never going to happen. He just Mm -hmm. thinks if he waits long enough, 
that he'll get the opportunity eventually, but she, but he's never going to. So she needs to tell him that. And, and in my opinion, that in some way does make her a little responsible for his feelings because he doesn't know. He doesn't know that he doesn't have a chance. Yeah. And like, if you take the romantic element out of it, like she should just be yes, honest just say it. with her friend. Like no one's going to judge her no. for this. Not in her inner circle. Sure. Her family, her father seems like he's kind of a douche canoe and probably kind of. wouldn't be great to hang out with. But yeah. when it comes to Azrael and Cassian and Reese, and obviously she has this conversation with Feyre Amrin, all of these people, these are people she trusts and loves. And I don't understand why she's so insistent on just not not being truthful with them. And it's kind of frustrating to me because I don't feel like Cassian or Asriel deserve that. They don't. They don't. They don't deserve it. So that leads us into the final battle. So the night before the final battle, Feyre decides that she is going to hell or high water, get this mirror of Ouroboros and complete her bargain with the bone carver. So she goes and she looks into the mirror of Ouroboros and she sees a monster, but it's herself. I mean, but that's what we were supposed to be seeing. Yeah, but she doesn't go crazy. So that's the important part. She accepts herself as the imperfect being that she is, which is a, a lot of character growth for Feyre. This is true. Very true. So before the battle starts, well, kind of as the battle is starting, Feyre and Rhysand are standing together <clears throat> and she reveals to him that the bone carver is there and so is Bryaxis, which we know of those two bargains happening. And then he reveals that he has made his own bargain with the Weaver. And the Weaver is also there kicking ass and taking names on their behalf. So <laughs> these just seemed like very um, precarious deals to be making. Uh, yeah, the more I think about the bargain that she made with Bryaxis, bad idea, the more problematic it becomes because she is not specific enough in no. that bargain. That's the thing. I hate these kinds of deals. It's like you were all entirely too general. You have to be so specific that you cannot wiggle out of it. Like you are all fucked. Yeah. So Reese doesn't isn't sure they're going to be able to win this this last hurrah mm -hmm. and as I don't think any of them this, no they're all pretty confident they're gonna die but yeah. as he is having that conversation uh tamlin baron and grayson all show up to eight to come to their aid so all i got when this scene happened in on page was the scene in two towers when the writers of rohirrim come over the hill to minister to helm's deep <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what I saw in my head. That's fair. That's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't have put it that way, but yeah. 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 It's the writers of Rohan coming to 
to the aid of Helm's Deep. It's fine. <clears throat> it's fine. So, like, what is all of these, like, what are the like really the- sentimental moments? What? Lord of the Rings? No, I was Lord of the Rings. No, no, I I know it was Lord of the Rings reference. My question was going to be like, what are y'all called? Like Lord of the Ring nerds? What are you called? Ringers. Ringers. Yeah, I actually own on DVD. This is um, I'm I'm going to wave my nerd flag here. I own on DVD a documentary about ringers. Like people who really like Lord of the Rings. And I know people who were interviewed in the documentary. Oh my God. You really are. Yeah. I went to college with a couple of those people. Okay. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Anyways. uh, I'm a nerd. What can I say? Anyways, uh, so there's, you know, one of the most famous quotes from this book happens in this moment where Reese is talking about his relationship with Feyre and he says, I'm going to pull it up. Hang on. Because I don't want to mess it up because the Internet will get mad at me. The internet will get mad at me. Okay. It's kind of a long blurb, but bear with me. I believe everything happens for a reason, whether it's decided by the mother or the cauldron or some sort of tapestry of fate. I don't know. I don't really care, but I am grateful for it. Whatever it is, grateful that it brought you all into my life. If it hadn't, I might have become an off as awful as that prick we're going to face today. If I had not met an Illyrian warner, warrior in training, he said to Cassian, I would not have known the true depths of strength, of resilience, of honor and loyalty. Cassian's eyes gleamed bright. Reese said to Azrael, if I had not met a shadow singer, I would not have known that it is the family you make, not the one you are born into, that matters. I would not have known what it is to truly hope, even when the world tells you to despair. Azrael bowed his head in thanks. Moore was already crying when Reese spoke to her. If I had not met my cousin, I would have I would near have learned the light. I would never have learned the light can be found even in the darkest of hells, that kindness can thrive even amongst cruelty. She wiped away her tears as she nodded. I waited for Amran to offer a retort, but she was only waiting. Reese bowed his head. If I had not met a tiny monster, <coughs> hordes of jewels were more fierce, hordes jewels more fiercely than a fire drake. A quiet laugh from all of us at that. Reese smiled softly. My own power would have consumed me long ago. He squeezed my hand as he looked to me at last. And if I had not met my mate, his words failed him as a silver line, a silver lined his eyes. He said down the bond, I would have waited 500 more years for you. A thousand years. If this was all the time we were allowed to have, the wait would have, the wait was worth it. He wiped away the tears sliding down my face. I believe that everything happened exactly as it, exactly the way it had to. 
so I could find you. He kissed another tear away. I'm pretty sure I was crying when I was reading that part. It's like the opposite of the go kick ass speech that we see a lot of the times in these moments in books and media. Normally it's like, we're fighting for the right reasons on the right side. And this was just so much more personal. Well, I feel like you get these moments when everyone thinks they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause the other ones you're like, it's kind of, okay. My brain's going to Avengers here. Okay. Fair. Like, when you think you may still have a chance, you're kind of like, Oh, we're going to go out there. We're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. We're going to kick ass. And I think that there's still kind of that underlying sentiment in these conversations, but it's very much like it was an honor to like be your friend. And I like, those are the ones that get me. Like, I don't, I know that that like has been in other books and other movies. And it's like, it, ugh, it chokes me up every time. Yeah, that scene kind of reminded me. I'm going to pull another Lord of the Rings reference here. Sorry. Uh, when Aragorn makes his speech for the armies and mostly Legolas, Gimli, Pippin and Merry at the gates of Mordor mm -hmm. about how they have to give Frodo time to get to Mount Doom and throw the ring in. And he looks over his shoulder and he says, uh, for Frodo. And then he charges in. And it's like so quiet. He goes for Frodo. And then he charges in. Or at Helm's Deep when Gimli and Legolas are standing together on the wall. Mm -hmm. And Gimli talks. He's like, oh, to imagine to die amongst all of these elves. And uh, Legolas turns to him and he's like, what about side by side with a friend? Or like Hodor. Holding door, holding the door. Oh God, that killed me. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of moments out there like this. Yeah, but I think it is also a very romantic thing for him to have said. Of like, if it had taken me a thousand more years to find you, and we they like they have not even been together for like a year at this point. Like a few months. Can have I? Occurred. I cannot. I cannot show you how high the eyes are in my head right now. I'm, that is. She literally attempted to turn her whole uh, head upside down. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about that part. It's sweet, yes, but like to me, it was the whole group. Like mm -hmm. it was a very sweet thing to say, but of course he's going to say that shit. They're together. Yeah. So the battle ensues and Cassian is fighting with a bunch of Illyrians and they're, you know, the, all of the monsters, a.k.a. the Bo Weaver, Bryaxis and the Weaver are all fighting. And then we hear this noise and Nesta, like blood curdling screams for Cassian. He comes to her and then like, Moments after he reaches her, the cauldron is unleashed. And as I pictured like a giant laser beam just shooting across the battlefield and it takes out the entire unit Cassian had been with. Because she Nesta saw hadn't, Yeah, because she, she saw it coming. She felt it coming because she's also made. That's right, yeah. Uh super intense. <laughs> Super, super intense. Um, and then 
the thing I did not expect to actually have happen happened, which is from the seas comes the summer court as well as Papa Archeron with a fleet of ships. And he has three main ships leading it. And each one is named after his daughters and his headship is called the Nesta. And so they're coming in to help with the, uh, with everyone, and alongside of all of them are the Draken, the people who are on the island no one could find because they hit it too well. Yeah. So during all of this, Feyre and Amarin are attempting to get to the cauldron so Feyre can do things to the cauldron and disable it and stop it. So they fight. So as they're running through, they see the death of the bone carver happen. He gets his. He dies in a blast of mm-hmm. a laser laser blast. And then they get to like, I imagine them being on like a rocky. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest. I just kind of imagined Pride Rock and the cauldrons up at the top. <laughs> this is not where my brain went, but I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's like no actual like explanation of what's going on in this yeah there's just people dying stuff happening yeah this is why i say that some of these battle things are like incomprehensible i don't know what to picture in my head so i pictured pride rocks if you picture something else that is completely valid uh and so they as they're climbing up the rocks to get to where the cauldron is uh the weaver gets her neck snapped r.i.p the weaver (laughs) Only because she killed Ianthe. Um, Everything else about the Weaver is creepy AF. Um, and then they get to the cauldron and Feyre touches it and she somehow becomes like connected. And there's a mini betrayal here from Amran. This got very confusing for me, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this, this next little bit is fucking weird. Anyways, so... As she's holding onto the cauldron, she's like transported. I okay. I'm just gonna keep making references to other things to help me understand what happened. This to me was like going in a pensive in Harry Potter, but okay. it's happening in real time. Okay, so she touches it, she gets transported to where Nesta and Cassian are. Right. And that also happens to be where Hibern is. He is there and Nesta and Cassian are facing off against him and he has their father captive. And Cassian really tries to save Nesta, but he is very badly injured. Um, and Hibern doesn't give a shit. King Hibern doesn't give a shit. So he snaps Papa Archer on neck. Yeah. And then he's going to um, then there's this great moment. I'm going to read that quote, too, because I am a Cassian Nesta girly. Ditto. Cassian Nesta girly. Hang on. Let me find it. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to read a couple of quotes. Uh, So this is what. Uh. This is what Nesta's, what Papa Archeron said to Nesta before he died. He's like, I loved you from the first moment I held you in my arms. 
And I am. I am so sorry, Nesta. My Nesta. I'm so sorry for it all. Please, Nesta said to the king, her only word, guttural and hoarse, please. Nesta stared and stared at my father, who was shaking his head. Oh, yeah, that was a. That was a hard one. Mm-hmm. That was a hard one. It wasn't going to give it to me quickly. So I had to Google again. Okay. So this is what, so Cassian tells Nesta to run. Nesta throws her body on top of Cassian, a la Pocahontas on John Smith in the arguably controversial Disney animated movie from the nineties. And this is what Cassie. Yeah, there, it is a little problematic. No, I didn't. Is. I know it's problematic. I don't think it's arguably problematic. Arguably in that it is problematic. Disney had good intentions, I think, and the animation is beautiful. But what, what a choice of a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Cassian says this, and this one gets me. I have no regrets in my life but this, that we did not have time. I did not have time with you, Nesta. I will find you in the next world, in the next life, and we will have that time, I promise. So sweet. I know. I, I'm a Cassian girly. What can I say? Anyways, uh, so as Hybrin is going to... Do you want to say what, what were you going to say? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. <clears throat> as Ca- as Cassian is gonna die, so is Nesta. Highburn is gonna, you know, land a killing blow. And oh, I forgot to mention this a hot minute ago. Asriel gives Elaine truth teller his dagger. And he's like, you'll give this back to me when you're done. And he's literally never parted with this knife since the day he found it. Very important. Again. Second mate. I think I I should never have told you about that. Nope, you shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So as Highburn is standing over their body, like standing over them, going to, you know, come down with a killing blow. Elaine jumps out of literally the woods and stabs Highburn in the neck with Truth Teller. Go Elaine. Elaine snapped. Snapped. I mean, she did just watch her father get murdered and then he's trying to kill her sister. Yeah. No. And this guy that she kind of knows. She's like, oh, fuck, no, fuck, no, I'm not losing another fucking family member. So then Elaine like, gets shrugged off of Highburn and Nesta gets up and she finishes the job and she beheads the king of Highburn. Hell yes. And if I'm not fuck mistaken, yes. she picked his head up as well and like showed it off. Hell yeah, Nesta. Yeah. Like, I killed your fucking king, you motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the 
Then we flash. Then Feyre gets sucked back into her body. Thank you very conveniently of letting us watch this whole scene. And Amran's like, yeah, so I made you stick, get stuck to the cauldron because I'm going to take myself out of this mortal body. And I'm going to go unleash havoc and do my thing. And I'm going to die. So don't be sad. Because I can't can't undo this once I do it. So Amran does. She releases herself from the body she has been bound to for who the fuck knows how long. And kind of sweeps through and just murder fucks everything. <laughs> murder fucks everything. <laughs> so I'm not wrong. Um, and in the process, the cauldron cracks. Bit of a problem because it mean it literally means that the reality is coming apart. I don't know now. how that occurred magic magic you have to read like a mm, like eight more books and then you'll understand okay (laughs) because i have a theory of what the cauldron is but i can't tell you until you finish the throne of glass series okay better get (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, so. Reese gets to her. Mind you, this, during this battle, we actually also get to see Reese's beast form for the first time, and apparently it is terrifying. I mean, like, why, terrifying. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, He's, and also he doesn't need to go in beast form very often. Exactly. So, he gets to her. So, mind you, we're going to count the number of people who've died. The Surreal died. Mm-hmm. Amrin is now dead. Because, mm-hmm. like, she can't expend that much energy and not die. So Reese gets to Feyre and Vera's like, I have to fix the cauldron. And he's like, cool. And she starts siphoning power off of Reese in order to mend the cauldron. And his only response to her is, I love you. He says it like two or three times. He's like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she fixes the cauldron and everything stops having reality ending problems. And she turns around after she's fixed the cauldron and everyone has fallen down and Reese is dead. She's a dumbass motherfucker. Reese is gonna she's good in a fight, not much else. I keep saying that. <laughs> No one listens like, to me. I'm sorry. A bazil- like maybe it's because I've seen a bazillion movies and, and situations and shit like this where I'm like, I love you. Yeah, because you're about to die. That's why that's happening. He said it two or three times. You should have stopped. So Feyre loses her fucking mind. Yeah. And then throws Fair. a temper tantrum and turns around mm-hmm. and is like, fix it. <laughs> Yeah, so conveniently, all of the High Lords Mm -hmm. show up and everyone's there except Tamlin. And she's like forcing them, begging them to bring him back. So everybody gives a little kernel and Tamlin shows up and he's his parting words are just be happy, Vera. 
and gives a kernel and Reese is he's dead for like I'm not shitting you like not even two full pages I know I know he does not stay dead very long but there's the three people who die in the book you're welcome I was I did tell you the truth on that it was fun okay but remember you and I had this conversation already when we read it because I was like I didn't count the surreal as a main character so I was like waiting I was like who the fuck else dies so I was waiting for something like the surreal yeah I didn't count the surreal as the main character but I I do love the surreal don't get me wrong I just wouldn't have put him in that category so yeah so Reese is awoken through the gifts of the high lords and he somehow brings Amrin with him this is the one part that I'm like don't get me wrong. I felt really bad for Varian because Varian's like distraught when Amran has his sacrificed herself and is gone. I think Amran should have stayed dead. Yeah, because it's not. She must serve some purpose later because I feel like there's not much else that you can contribute here. Yeah, because she lost. She's essentially like a normal high fae now. Exactly. So she she lost that bit of her otherness yep. in this process. So I'm not sure why Amran is still alive. I think it also kind of cheapens her sacrifice yeah. a little bit, personally. But maybe she's looking at it as a reward because now she can just be normal and live a life that she wants to without having to be that other thing. True, true. The thing that they haven't fully explained what she is. But yeah, whatever the fuck about. that is. What'd you say? I have theories about. Of course you do. How many books do I have to read before I get to hear the theory? You have to finish this one. Okay. The one the one that you're actively reading right now. The one now. I'm you actively reading Sky. right now. You have to finish Sky and Breath and then we can talk about what okay. I think Amber might be have an idea as well (laughs) your face okay (laughs) we're almost there so then we go into the aftermath of this so they're all at the archeron family house um and lucian is there uh guess who found vasa oh yeah papa archeron did not lucian and we don't know exactly what happened on the continent, but she is here and she's gotten like a temporary reprieve from Kochi. And uh, there now that the wall is down and the, the war is over for now, at least there is talk of a new treaty between the humans and the Fae. And they sort of work out tentative agreements and then everybody goes home. And that is kind of where war ends. It ends on kind of this like nice little bow wrapped up, like it's still open for these characters to continue to have lives and do fun things. But I can tell that this was originally meant to be a trilogy and anything else is just like extra. And I'm not sad about it because like I love Silver Flame. So. I... You mean this, you think this was supposed to be the last of the book? Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, I think originally the Akatar series was going to end here. Um, it could have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It could it have. And in a very satisfying way. Yeah. No, it could have, it could have wrapped up right there. You're right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, I think it could have, the way it read to me was it left it open. Like the author may mm-hmm. not have been sure if she wanted to come back to it or not. So, yeah. Fair. Fair. So what, what did you think after finishing Aquawar? Aquawar is the book I, of, the, of the series I read the fastest. I read this in like a day. Um, I really liked this one a lot. I think I said earlier, like the, for me, the books in this series got progressively better. Um, with a small caveat of Ross and Starlight. It's a novella. It was meant. I think exactly. it was. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna meant ex- to be a palate cleanser. Yes, yes. So I'm. I'm gonna exclude that from my thing because mm. that's. I'm, it's not, in my opinion, part of the book book series. It is, but it isn't. Anyway, not the point. Um, I think they just get successively better. Now, to caveat that really quick, I don't hate Frost and Starlight. I am just not a Hallmark movie gal. And this is very much a Hallmark movie book. So it's not, I don't have a problem with it. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. It's just not my fave. That's all. Yes. I just, and I, and honestly, I like giving Melissa a little bit of a hard time because she gets this funny look on her face every time I say it. So, yeah. I, so would I consistently reread Frost and Starlight? No. It is a, I'm going to have, like, this is my hottest take of it. I kept getting sold that it was this warm, cozy, Christmas time Hallmark movie. And I, it honestly took me kind of a surprisingly long time to read a 200 page book because I'm like, everyone is sad and depressed. Yeah. Why is everyone sad and depressed? It wasn't my fave, but that'll be a, probably a relatively short episode. Um, yeah, I think we need to talk about it because I think it, there are some important things that happen in it. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Some very important things happen in Frost and Starlight. Things I have thoughts about. See, this is the problem where because you mostly listen to audiobooks that you're not going to pick up on some of the things I'm picking up as like reading physical or ebooks because there's a thing that is going on in your book currently you're reading a house of sky and breath okay that I think relates directly back to frost and starlight okay mhm now I'm going to have to go back and read through that but before I do that I need to finish my before I jump back to a small novella I need to finish the Daniel Ricardo book that is for a bonus episode listen it's says we'll talk about it's it's a it says I have less than 30 minutes left to read and I have to finish it and I just can't I'm having a hard time no it's not great how many times are there euphemisms for his penis? I did, okay, it's not even that. It's not even that. It, I am not exaggerating here. She spent three solid pages discussing his neck. 
and not in a euphemistic way, okay? His literal neck. I don't know. I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, the author is extremely attracted to the muscles in Danny Ricardo's neck. There's never been a body part that has even occurred to me to be attracted to. I mean, I like it when a guy's got, like, nice traps. No, she's talking about his neck. And I think it's because, like, I want to say she even, like, discussed the the girth, if I'm not mistaken, which is, like, again, a really weird descriptor for a neck. Um, Because they do a lot of, like, G-force training. So they'll put, you know, like a device on their head. I think it was even in the last episode for season five for Yuki. They had a thing they put on his head and the trainer was, like, pulling it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it helps build it up because the G-force, you need to be able to keep their neck straight you know, in the turns and shit. I I guess their muscle, neck muscles are different because I even, it was Danny or Lando or somebody like made a funky face. They did the like, and his neck came out like so thick. It was weird. I don't know. I don't get it. It's not my thing. To each their own, I guess. I told you you didn't actually want to read it. I know. No one listened to me. Like, I didn't. No one listened to me. No, I didn't. I didn't. I really didn't. But then Stevie bought it and I was like, well, now I kind of need to read it and just see. But I am having a very difficult time finishing it. You spent money. It wasn't very much, to be fair. On that hot garbage. Listen, if if there was an audible version, which there sadly is not, I would have bought that because I have credits that I could use. She would have tried to get Danny to read it, and can, that might have ruined Danny Ricardo for He's you. He's not going to read that. I, I enjoy these spicy books, I do, but this was like an awkward. This isn't. This is a cringe one where it makes you physically cringe while you're reading and/or watching it, kind of thing. Yeah, that's not the kind of spicy book I want to no. want to participate in. No, no, no. I mean, I. I don't DNF very many books. I did DNF a book, a very popular book, because of a third act breakup that was very annoying for me. What? Uh, it's, so it's called So Not Meant to Be by Megan Quinn. It is a three part series about brothers and. Uh, so, like, they. It's quasi attempting to be like enemies to lovers. They're not. They just don't communicate well. So her sister is married to his brother. And so they're kind of forced proximity into each other. Okay. And she is weirdly insecure about herself for no reason. Okay. No reason. And so... He, one night before they got together, drunkenly sent this email to a bunch of girls because he used to be a little bit of a playboy asking if they wanted to go to him with him to his brother's wedding. And he was blackout drunk and forgot he did that. And then some newspaper got a hold of it. And so the night before the wedding, he was with his brothers trying to, like, get the article squashed. And so he had to like do something else to 
to do it. And so she and she got they were at like the rehearsal dinner and she gets drunk and she wants to go back to his house. He lives across the street. It's not they didn't drive and like have weird kinky sex. And he's just like puts her to bed because he doesn't feel right. A sleeping with her when she's that intoxicated. Yeah, good call. And B he feels weird with this thing hanging over his head and he hasn't said anything to her because she's actively intoxicated and she takes that to him not being sexually attracted to her anymore. Oh my God. And then he goes and gets her, he has to go take care of something like super early the next morning to like, essentially they have to pay off this newspaper article, like newspaper for whatever. And he used to go to this meeting super early in the morning to take care of stuff for it. And he comes back and he brings her coffee. And then she gets mad because the barista who was somehow invited to this wedding. Uh, says, oh, you looked so, like he mentions how he looked that morning when he stopped and got her coffee. And so she assumes that he cheated on her with this barista girl, which none of this happened. None, none. And I, that is a point where I literally stopped. Hmm. I was like, I can't. I was like 75% of the way through this book. I was like, I can't. I can't. That's how I, I felt. can't. I, that's how I felt about a wheel of time. I just got to a point where I was like, I'm so done. And you know what? I saw somebody uh, TikTok calling because I guess the second season of the series came out on Amazon and they were talking about how it was going to be the next Game of Thrones. And I'm like, no, the fuck it's not. No, it isn't. If so, if they don't spend so many books, so many seasons doing literally nothing like the books did, yeah, if they can skip over it, then yeah, but I don't know. Oh, like I we won't cover it because I don't have enough nice things to say, but the Shadow and Bone trilogy, I don't read the books, okay, don't read the books, thank you, because I loved the show. The show was great. The, the show, show fixes the problems of the books. Okay, because I was going to read the books. Okay, good to know. So I will, I have not read it yet, but I've heard absolutely nothing but wonderful things about the Six of Crows duology, which is, so this is also part of the reason why the Shadow of Bone series kind of was annoying because it is literally only Alina and that team, that crew, like Kaz Brecker and the thieves aren't in it at all. Mm. No mention of them. So they don't come up until six of crows. So I have not read it yet, but I've heard nothing but positive things about six of crows. Okay. It's hang on. I have to look at my shelf because I don't remember anything. Saying. So six of crows and cookie crooked kingdom. That's a duology. And then there's King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, and they follow the king that I can't remember his name. Okay. That's in the blonde haired king guy from the show that she like ends up like mildly betrothed to for a second. Who was also Baby. a pirate. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. He goes back to his pirating ways. Gotcha. Is what I've heard. Uh so yeah, so those all sound. Much better than Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone, like I read the first one in a day, the next one in a week, and the next one in two weeks. Because by the third one, it was just so bad. I'm like, this really could have been two books. Oh. 
wants is a blank thing. It's fine. You have you have six of crows you can read. Hey, speaking of things that we're gonna read, um, this is gonna start off funny, but I promise we'll get there. So hang in with me. I went to the movies last weekend with my oldest and some of her friends, and it was like a haunting in Venice, which I very much thought was going to be a scary movie. I I don't really watch TV all that much, and so. My husband's a big uh, preview fan. So he'll send me things of, of movies he knows that I'll like or whatever. So I really didn't even know anything about this movie. I, based off of the title, purely thought this was like a horror film. We walk in, we sit down, and I'm not really excited to be there. I don't love scary shit. Pops up. It's a Hercule Poirot story. It's Agatha Christie. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, oh, this will be a good one. We could uh, we could either watch the movie uh, when it comes out on, on digital or we could read the book. But I was like, oh, yes. Working no less dose. Yes. <laughs> so. Working no less dose. I don't know what that means. Uh, so, yeah. So that we went way off on tangents. Oh, yeah, we but did. That is A Court of Wings and Ruin. Yay. Yay. I loved it. Um, I can't wait to record. Not Frost and Starlight, but the other one. The other one. (laughs) Yeah, Silver Flame is arguably my favorite. I will say that only because I am a huge Cassian girly. Love Cassian. I loved that book. I loved it. It was really good. I may (gasps) honestly. I love Cassian. I want to say I would reread it before we record it, but I don't think I'm going to have enough time. I got to finish all these other things. You ha- Just keep going on the SJM journey here. Just finish Crescent City 2 so you can jump back into Throne of Glass because you're going to love, love, love Selena's story. Oh, I can't wait. Love I can't it. wait. You're going to love it. I love Crescent City so far. I've been really, the, I've loved the, the, the whole series. Crescent City has been great so far. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. So I can't wait to, yeah. to, to pick Throne of Glass back up. So. Oh, you're going to love Throne of Glass. It, I, I, I'm kind of glad you, you took the pivot and read Crescent City next. Only because I knew you would really, really like it. But it's also like a nice little change of pace. Yeah. Akatar. Mm-hmm. Your face. I can't <laughs> wait. Okay. Well, let's tell the people goodbye. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, uh, if you want to check out what we're going to be listening to and talking about next, uh, feel free to follow us over on Instagram at Mel and Jill Geek Out. Or if you have a suggestion for what we should geek out about next, you can shoot us an email over at Jill and Mel Geek Out at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Again, my name is Melissa. I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye, guys.